You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a briefing for county leaders on the status of the New York State Executive Budget, items of concern for local governments, and opportunities for continued advocacy. NYSAC's Executive Director Stephen Aquario leads the briefing and is accompanied by NYSAC's Legislative Director Ryan Gregoire and Deputy Director Mark Levine. The budget process, of course, started on February 1st. Uh, Our governor released her executive budget proposal for a state fiscal year 2024, which starts on April 1st. I believe we're the only state in the nation that has a fiscal year uh, that starts in the middle of the uh, spring like this on April 1st. Uh, Both houses, the Senate Assembly, released their responses, their reaction. This is sort of a sense of the House how the assembly feels, how the Senate feels, at least the majority parties in each of these chambers. That was done on March 14th and passed uh, last week by both of their chambers. We have a one house uh, or a, uh, uh, a budget report that's out, which shows each of the one house budgets. And that report provides an analysis of just how each of these one house budget bills responds directly to the governor's budget, Uh, how it responds, most importantly, to issues of importance to county governments, county functions, departments, services, and programs. Uh, According to the division of the budget, uh, the Assembly's one-house budget uh, exceeds the governor's spending by $5 billion, and the Senate exceeds the governor's spending by $9 billion. Uh, And so based on previously agreed-upon revenues, the final negotiations will likely uh, be significantly Uh, will significantly impact what each house is able to accomplish in the final state budget. So the reason why I say that is uh, the House has responded uh, to a number of concerns from uh, various constituents, including the counties. Uh, But again, they're spending much higher uh, than uh, the governor's spending. of course, the biggest issue that we uh, we talked about here at the at the outset, strong headwinds going into this budget, and that was uh, the Medicaid cost shift, the, the largest cost shift uh, in modern political history here, uh, where a state is shifting the magnitude uh, of this to the counties. But I'll get to this uh, more at the end of my presentation. Uh, I want to start with um, sales tax. Uh, all of our sales tax bills. Uh, are due uh, this November, which means during the budget per budget time period right now, uh, the state has to enact or renew the authority for our local governments, counties, and cities uh, to renew their sales tax. The governor, at our request, uh, put in legislation to grant permanency uh, to the counties and cities at their existing rates or up to 4%. However, Uh, both chambers uh, have rejected that. So um, we're uh, pretty pretty, uh, resolved that that issue is is not going to happen in the state budget. We don't want to waste your time uh, and we don't want to waste the political capital that we may have uh, in our work in the state's capital uh, fighting for this proposal. So what we're, what we're trying to do now is we've asked the legislature to do a four-year extender. Right now, uh, the current proposal would renew every three years. Um, so we're, we're trying to get them to do a four-year extender 
stay tuned on sales tax extensions. We, we don't see any uh, headwinds uh, regarding renewing the authority. Uh, it's just the manner in which it gets done and for how long. Ryan, did you want to add anything further on sales tax? No, that's that's exactly spot on, Stephen. So, you know, the message to your delegation, your state delegation is, look, if we're not going to do permanency in the budget, we need to do everyone's extenders. Get it taken care of in the budget so we don't have an issue where a one-off county gets hung up and their bill doesn't pass by the end of session. That's exactly what we do not want <laughs> to occur. Outside of FMAP, cost shift, the largest and most significant cost shift, uh, were two other proposals that we have been focusing on. Uh, in REM foreclosure and 18B, another huge attorney cost shift. But on in REM foreclosure, uh, this has uh, been nicknamed the home equity uh, theft uh, by advocates. Uh, the budget is proposing that when a tax delinquent property is foreclosed upon by the county and sold, that any money the county may receive that exceeds the liability amount or overdue taxes, penalties, mortgage liens, et cetera, must be returned to the property owner minus any applicable administrative cost. This would be effective in October of this year and would apply to tax enforcement proceedings commenced on or after 10-1-23. So uh, fairly major policy change here. Uh, in our meetings with legislative leaders last week, uh, we learned that uh, both chambers uh, had come out against this. So we're going to project that this in-rem foreclosure, uh, because of us, because of NYSAC's advocacy, and because of counties' advocacy across the state, that we're going to uh, predict or project that this will be uh, taken out of the budget negotiations. This is a policy implication with no finance impact. There's no state budget impact on this. The legislature is trying to remove policy issues outside of finance issues. So we're going to project that this is going to come out of the budget, but I'm not going to say it's dead. Uh, we're, we're, the United States Supreme Court is taking up this very issue as we speak in a case brought by a 94-year-old woman in Minnesota, Hennepin County, challenging this exact system in Minnesota, the U.S. Supreme Court taking that up. So stay tuned on in-rem foreclosure. But because of our advocacy, this is coming out of the budget we're going to project. Okay, uh, so a couple of uh, other issues that we wanted to talk about here before we get into Medicaid. Uh, community colleges, the governor uh, proposed a 100% uh, of prior year's funding we had asked for this. I know President Zerlo was interested in this issue. Without this funding floor, community colleges would have faced $140 million loss in formula aid due to decreases in enrollment. So we praised this issue when it was put out by the governor. However, when we read through the finer print uh, the, that the governor had included a, uh, an intercept of 20% of this funding floor, so it would really be about 80% would be passed through, 20% would be intercepted uh, by the, the budget division until a plan uh, was approved by the colleges, the community colleges and the State University of New York, 
how they could continue to operate operate without the reliance on this base aid funding floor in future years. So sort of some tea leaves from the state that they don't like this 100% of a prior year's spend, uh, giving an indication that they want that to end. Uh, the Senate, uh, in reaction to that proposal, uh, added some funding for uh, for operating aid for community colleges, about $8 million, uh, across the board. The Assembly increased uh, funding for uh, CUNY, uh, community colleges within the city, by $8 million. Uh, and they, in addition, the Assembly rejected the uh, governor's proposal to withhold 20%. Uh, what did the Senate do, Ryan? Uh, they left it in there. Okay, so it looks like the Senate was accepting of the governor's proposal. The Assembly rejected it. So we've got some work to do there. We have a new higher ed chair uh, in the Assembly, Assemblywoman Pat Fahey. Mm -hmm. So if you're from Albany County uh, or the Capital District here, that might be something of interest to you. The both chambers of the legislature with respect to elections uh, have advanced proposals to put more money into our boards of elections for salaries, for new employees, as well as uh, capital or voting equipment, software technology upgrades. So for instance, the Senate put 15 million for, for administration and another 15 million towards capital equipment or equipment, uh, voting equipment. So that's a, that's a pretty sizable investment by the state yes. of New York and the Assembly of, of putting $10 million up uh, for the cost related to early voting and absentee ballot counting for local boards of elections. So a lot of attention, interest has, has been there by the legislature for the past several years. Again, they're showing they'd like to make continued investment. Yeah, and you know this goes back to the argument that we have been making for years now, since 2019, which is... It's fine if the state wants to make a policy that uh, affects county boards of elections and election administration, but you've got to provide funding for it. And, and to the legislature's credit, they both have told us that we want to give counties funding, and they're, they're following through with that statement and including that in their one-house budgets. Thank you, Ryan. A couple of other proposals, again, to just to... We, we call these out to you because if anything that we're saying is of importance to you, it resonates with your community, it, you really have to stay, as Michael Zerlo mentioned here, is stay on uh, the legislators. Uh, they're only going to react to noise, uh, noise, advocacy, concern from you. Uh, and, and if we are quiet, uh, they're just going to move on to who's making the, the most amount of noise uh, around the state in the state's capital. Next item here I want to talk about, for those of you administering DMVs, and most of you are, with the exception of the Long Island counties in Westchester, um, county clerk DMV retention fees. The governor proposed uh, an increase um, over Internet-based um, revenues here. Uh, this was something that the NYSEC had been asking for many, many, many years. Very pleased to see some movement on this uh, for counties who do an awful lot to run the state's Department of Motor, Motor Vehicles. The Senate accepting the proposal and the Assembly accepting the proposal. While it's only $13 million, Ryan, I think that this is a, a step in the right direction by the state. Yeah, and it looks like we should be able to uh, get a win here. So we should be able to get a win here for our county clerks. Uh, we're trying to smooth out a couple of counties 
where this didn't uh, didn't help, right. uh, like St. Lawrence County and Madison County. I believe we had some concerns there, so we're trying to make trying well, to get the funding fixed so everyone is either net positive or or neutral. Another interesting proposal came out. It was not in the governor's budget uh, proposal to increase the uh, retiree income uh, for working back in public service without a uh, 211 waiver, I think it is. That's right. Uh, 211 <laughs> waiver from 35000 to 50000 I think they'll put that in the final budget or, or enact it outside the budget. I, this was the Senate doing this, not the yeah. Assembly. But I think, generally speaking, Ryan, when these things have happened, and especially during COVID, uh, that whole age or income threshold was eliminated during COVID and waived, yeah. meaning that we need people to do work uh, in the public sector right now. Yeah, the state's facing the same crisis the counties and every other local municipality is, and that is, you know, it, it's a challenge right now to backfill vacancies. You know, if, if you look across the state, every single county has vacancies in their public health department, in their corrections department in particular, in their DEPW departments. So, you know, again, this is Article 7 language that would help allow you to bring back folks who have retired and they can make up to uh, $50,000 without an impact to their uh, pension earnings. With respect to the housing plan, the governor, of course, uh, everyone knows the governor uh, wanted to do 800,000 units of housing. Uh, the executive budget uh, included language uh, that would require targets, both downstate and upstate, fast-track project approvals under the governor's proposal, localities in the city of New York, Westchester, Orange, Putnam, Dutchess, Rockland, Nassau, and Suffolk would have a 3% housing growth target within a three-year cycle, and all other localities would have a 1% housing growth target in each three-year cycle. I'm going to project that this is not going to happen. The Senate modified the executive proposal by removing mandatory requirements and overrides of local zoning, so that is pretty much uniformly rejected by both chambers both chambers, both yeah. chambers it looks like the blowback from this was heard loud and clear that these were home rule decisions uh, based on uh, community concerns uh, this the legislature both chambers responding with an incentive uh, approach uh, sorting uh, sort of 500 million dollar incentive uh, to achieve certain goals for cities, towns, and villages. And while the counties are not directly implicated here, we certainly have a role to do with this with water hookups and mm -hmm. wastewater hookups. Mm -hmm. So uh, pleased to see this proposal being rejected uh, and uh, some counter uh, measures being advanced. So I, I think that is the way that this is going to happen. Uh, how much of that incentive might be uh, will we'll shake out in the end. Right. Again, the same with the transit-oriented development here. Uh, both chambers rejecting uh, the uh, housing construction around uh, um, rail stations, subway stations, increasing housing density around these transit-oriented developments. This proposal, Ryan, rejected outright. That's right. Yes. So we'll continue to be vigilant about those proposals as well in housing. Uh, interesting in child welfare reimbursement. This is, of course, a reimbursement to the counties from the state for running child welfare programs. The assembly, uh, right now, that reimbursement is set at 62%. Uh, 
the assembly came out and raised that to 65%. So that's something we definitely would support, a one-house proposal only. That's right, yeah. Um, the, the interesting dynamic here is the assembly did not increase the appropriation. Now, that could be because the counties are not meeting the cap right now. Um, I don't expect the governor to agree to this at the end of the day. The governor put in a, uh, a market rate of interest on court judgments pending appeal. Right now it's around 9%, uh, which is incredibly high interest rate on, uh, on, a, on an appeal case here. The governor's proposal would have allowed for a variable market raised interest rate, which is what the federal court system used. Uh, it didn't save an awful lot for counties, but it saved some, and we have been supporting this for several years. The legislature rejected that outright. So we're going to take that off of the scorecard here and not something we're going to be working on. One of the top three issues that we have been working on, spending our time on, has been FMAP in-rim foreclosure, and the third being the doubling of the assigned council program. Of course, the executive budget, as you all know, increased assigned council rates in the city and the downstate counties uh, to $158 an hour. The downstate counties include Suffolk, Nassau, Westchester, Rockland, Putnam, Orange, Dutchess, Ulster, and, Sabin, and Sullivan. Those counties would have gone to 158 per hour, and the rest of the state would go to 119 an hour. Uh, and so that's what the governor proposed. Of course, we have been screaming about this issue, that this is a state constitutional responsibility obligation of the state uh, following Gideon versus Wainwright, a United States Supreme Court uh, uh, constitutional obligation on the states. Uh, but here, again, the state shifting that to the counties. The Senate modified the executive proposal, uh, but still had counties uh, paying, uh, I think, about $25 of the $44 rate increase. So the Senate uh, requiring counties, they only added $25 million into their, uh, their uh, one-house um, uh, budget proposal. Uh, and um, the Assembly uh, provided full funding and a full increase, $164 per hour across the board, yeah. all counties. That's so right. the Senate kept the regional rate. That's right. Senate kept the regional rate. The assembly uh, increased the rate across the board uh, for $164 an hour, but put in their $200 million. That's right. So the assembly is having the state of New York pay for its program consistent with Harrell Herring. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of work to be done yeah. uh, in this 18B uh, fight, if you will. So the, the governor does not want the state to assume any rate increase on 18B. They are adamant about not paying counties a dime in the 18B. The legislature is on our side, but again, as Stephen noted, the Senate and Assembly have a little bit of a different approach. The Senate agrees to this kind of regional rate. It's higher, the thresholds are higher. She increases it, they increase from 158 to 180 for the downstate and from 119 to 158 for the upstate, but they do provide a little bit of funding to offset that. Um, Again, the assembly, 164 flat rate across the board with $200 million to pay for it. Okay, so I think the last thing we wanted to talk about was the uh, 
proposal by the governor to intercept uh, uh, the counties and the city of New York's share of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, this is uh, funding that's been in place since 2012. Just a little bit of a rewind. Uh, the, state, the, the United States has been temporarily increasing um, FMAP funding since 2003. Uh, when the country would go into a recession or a banking and mortgage crisis happened in 2008, there were adjustments that were made on a temporary basis. Usually it lasted around a year, year and a half, yeah. maybe two years, but it would sunset. But that changed in 2012 when the United States did the Affordable Care Act. And because the state of New York was providing health care for childless adults, uh, the state of New York got a credit. That's right. If you will, a, cre a credit in the Affordable Care Act. And so they've got a bump up or a step up in uh, Medicaid funding from the federal government uh, to the state of New York and the counties because we were payers in the system at that time that law was put in place. Uh, so the governor uh, has come out with a proposal to intercept those funds, believing that because the state has assumed the growth of the program, which is $7 billion a year in 2015, each year, all the way up to 2022, which $7 billion a year is an awful lot of money for the state to pick up the local share of that growth. We're most appreciative of that. But uh, here, the, the state is saying uh, they'd like to keep that federal Medicaid money, um, about $300 million for the counties and uh, how much for the city of New York, right? $345 million 300. for the city of New York, uh, for 281 this. for the counties. Okay, so this grows to be about a billion dollars over a period of a couple of years. Yep. Uh, it's a very serious proposal. Uh, we made our position loud and clear at the NISAC conference and uh, all the way back into early February where this was resoundingly rejected by the counties. We are circulating a legislative board chair letter. Uh, I believe that letter is going today, Mark. Is that correct, Ryan? Yes. Okay. Going today, we have most counties' chairs that have signed this letter. If you have not signed that letter, please get that to your clerk or the board, and we can get that on the letter. We have most counties, all but a few, who I'm sure were just distracted, didn't get a chance to sign that letter. Uh, sending a letter to Senator Schumer. Uh, the county executives have been working on this from day one. The county administrators, since day one, advocating for this. We've made an awful lot of noise. We've had an awful lot of meetings back and forth between the state health department, the division of the budget, the governor's office, both chambers of the legislature, both majorities and minorities, individual chairs of the health committees within the legislature. Finance and Ways and Means. We've met with the secretaries of finance and Ways and Means on multiple uh, occasions here. Look, folks, this is going to come down to the last minute of the last day of the last hour. Whenever that happens, uh, this issue is going to be resolved. I think the governor is sensitive uh, to a mid-year cost shift to us, so we've achieved that much to us. This proposal will become effective April 1st, of course, right in the middle of our uh, adopted budgets. So I think we're, we've had, we have some sympathy from the governor uh, on that mid-year budget impact, but the question is, what is she willing to do about this proposal since it was uh, initially floated uh, 
into the state legislature. Uh, the Senate uh, and the Assembly uh, have rejected this outright. But it's, uh, it's a position of, of the chambers, and again, it's going to come down to the priorities within the legislature as they sit with our governor uh, at, the, at the end of the road here, these big issues like housing, like uh, Medicaid, uh, school aid, um, yeah. you know, 18B, criminal, uh, criminal justice. bail reform. Uh, these issues, criminal justice reform, will all be resolved by leaders. And the leaders react to what their members say in conference. In conference, yeah. So the one ask we have of you today, whether you have uh, a Democrat or a Republican, to us is irrelevant. We want you to be communicating with your member of the Senate and Assembly to please don't come home without it. The, the, uh, the FMAP, uh, the 18B cost shifts, the in-rim foreclosures, those are the big three issues that will be resolved by leaders. We think at the end of the day here, it's going to be resolved by those individuals. Uh, we have a lot of receptivity in the state legislature to reject this proposal, proposal uh, but we are not sure, unclear, how in the end uh, it's going to shake out. Um, we have, uh, everything is still on the table uh, on, uh, by us about how we're going to react to this. And if it's not uh, something that we believe uh, is mutually agreeable between the counties and the state, we will continue to fight this issue. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of County Conversations, a podcast from NISAC. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on the latest and greatest of county government news in New York State.